filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Have you guys been uh, doing anything at work other than work? Oh, yeah. There's this thing called the World Cup. I don't know if you've heard of it. And there's this thing called Group B that was madness. Yeah, it was straight, it was straight lit. Let's just call it what it is. Lit. That, yeah. I, I was at work and I can only half listen, half watch on my phone. And my phone only has one game it can I can I can do. So I'm sitting there pretending to do work, but just literally like every two seconds sneaking a peek at my phone to see what was going on. And as something would happen, I just kept switching channels, switching channels. It, it's it, it was probably the most ridiculous thing in a long time. Like this is why we have the simultaneous games going on. Is is for that kind of drama. Yeah. And I'm lucky because at work I have three screens. That means that one screen can be my dedicated World Cup screen. That's a oh, good you do. Setup. That's cool. That's an actually cool setup. I actually yeah. am hoping that my project ends so I don't have to go to work. I can just watch from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got my. Um, I just take my phone and put one. And I have that sitting like on, like leaning against my monitor. Um, and so the other, the monitor itself, I had like one, one tab off to one side showing the game, and then the cell phone underneath it showing the other game, and then work in the uh the far left uh tab um but yeah it was uh it was something else to see all this everything kept happening at the same time um like uh the the VAR against Cristiano Ronaldo came as Morocco was scoring a goal that was such a red card and then yeah they probably should have been it, it, you know it, it's it's it was funny to, like i feel like that call not going their way or, or that call going Portugal's way ended up being why VAR gave them a penalty or gave um, Iran a penalty a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like we have uh, VAR and we have all these new ways to modulate refereeing and make it more straightforward. And yet we're still getting the classic makeup call. Uh, it's just being administered in a new way. Um, but yeah. It, it was kind of like, for a lot of that game, it was just, especially Iran-Portugal, that game was just very intense for a long time. But then once um, once things started happening in that one and then Morocco grabbed their goal, it was like, this is, uh, this is a little too much. I mean, Iran came, what, a, a foot or so from knocking Portugal out? Yeah. He got hit into the side netting um, right. from about five feet. Yeah, that would have been the... the... The, the ridiculousness that we want to happen with the Argentina game coming up is what almost happened with this uh, Iran Portugal game. Like that was that was that would have been a thirty for thirty type of deal. Like right. they would have talked, they right. would have made a documentary about the last ten minutes of today, like of, of the games today. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I'm hoping that if 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 one of these things actually pan, like 
because ultimately, after all that drama, it ended up being exactly what yeah, it was chalk expected to happen. Um, but uh, if in one of these groups, if that actually, if it if it threatens this much drama and then it actually comes through, um, I'd love to see someone like splice together the two games so you could actually watch it unfold in real time. Um, yeah, like um, I think when Man City won the premier league with that last second kick i think there was some youtube video that it probably got pulled after a while because it was clearly um a rights issue uh since someone just made it on their own um but it was like the real time um Repeal copyright from, from both games from from man city and man united um to show uh you know how late that goal came and and what it did in both places like how quickly the news spread to um the other stadium things like that um, I mean, since, since the U S isn't in it, uh, we have to find our entry points and I've got to say, it is kind of nice to not have the emotional burden of like being wrapped up in someone's results specifically oh, yeah, we could, sort of taking uh-huh. it in. I can totally just watch this as a fan and just like, just have the ease of just letting whatever happens wash over me and not get irrationally upset about any one particular result. And this is why. I was team no team from the start. That's why I'm, <laughs> I, I founded the I founded the club team no team because you could watch today and you didn't have a dog in a fight and you could just watch everything for what it yep, was exactly. This this how this I mean that that was the beauty of this is that you got to take it in and just I mean here's the thing just think if you were a Spain fan or a Portugal fan like how like bittersweet would this be? You're probably you'd probably be like heaving into a bag for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> because of what happened in the last like two minutes of the game, and us, we just think it was great. Yeah, yeah, we can't Come wait for tomorrow. Soccer. Tomorrow's gonna be fun. Yeah, it should be. It should be pretty good. Um, but on that note, uh, as you've probably figured out, we have no Adam. Uh, so, goat, goat, welcome, goat. This is Phil Buster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, Adam has been sent to Florida to um, find us a scouting director for the podcast. Um, in the meantime, uh, I have been, Donald has replaced Adam, um, and uh, we're going to try and do a show. Um, we're going to try and talk about this uh, frustrating DC United Open Cup. Uh, it's not technically a loss, uh, but it is a loss nonetheless. A knockout. Um, Yes, uh, elimination. Um, uh, we'll get to DC's game on the weekend against the New England Revolution. Uh, but before we get into that, Donald, what are you drinking? So uh, tonight, and thank you guys for having me on, I, I will try my best to replace uh, uh, Adam. I, I'm not a young DP, um, so there is a young DP slot available for the podcast. Um, you're you're a Tam you're a Tam player for this podcast. I am Tam, yeah. I've definitely been bought down with Tam. Um, <laughs> so tonight I am drinking uh, a Traverse City Whiskey Company, uh, their American Cherry Edition, uh, made with Michigan cherries. This uh, guys would be great um, in a in an old fashioned, um, absolutely terrific in an old fashioned. I am not doing that. I'm drinking it uh, with one ice cube uh, because I got home uh, from softball um, about an hour after. <laughs> About an hour after Ben said, I asked if I could be on the podcast. So I didn't have time to actually make a drink for you guys. I apologize. That's all right. That's kind of our, our, at least my norm is the like, oh my God, I've got five minutes to put together a drink. Um, right. And then uh, you just sort of throw something uh, into a glass with ice. Um, 
Ben, Ben, what do you got? So I'm still drinking down the uh, beers I got last weekend from my grilling extravaganza. Uh, today I have a Dogfish Head Mixed Media Beer Wine Combo thing. It's 51% beer, 49% wine-ishness. I don't like it. I don't think it's good. I'm not a fan. Hey, you're not making it sound good. No. It's 51% fermentable sugars coming from grain and 49% coming from grapes. And it's just not good. It tastes like it tastes like a wannabe sour, but it's not as good as a real sour. So yes. don't, rec- don't recommend it. <laughs> don't do it. Not as bad as a Shandy, but Shandy-esque. Well, yeah, our 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 show history with with shandies is usually a uh, nothing short of a disaster. So that's not great. Uh, nope. If you're getting if sure you're having, if a drink on this show is being compared to a shandy, it's gone pretty terribly. Um, yep, sure has. I I believe, uh, and I don't know if Ben's going to follow through on this, but I know there have been other times we've had people on where they've tried a shandy and they've abandoned it moments after uh, taking their first sip. Um, I mean, I also have a bourbon drink right next to my Shandy-esque disaster. It's just a bourbon and Coke. Okay. (laughs) So you're double fisting on a Monday. I mean, I'm not double fisting because I'm not going to finish the Shandy bullshit. Okay. (laughs) I'm single fisting. I'm just lying to you about what I initially tried, basically. (laughs) It's all right, though. It's it's good to have a backup plan uh, if things go wrong. And apparently this time it really did. It sure um, did. Sorry, Flying Dog, but, uh, or, no, Dogfish Head. Yes, Dogfish Head. Sorry, you made a bad beer. Well, that, you know, every once in a while it goes wrong. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it, as, as you guys know, it was, uh, pretty miserably hot out today. Um, it was muggy and it was sunny, but muggy at the same time, which is kind of, not the usual combination, but it was definitely not a good day to have any reason to be outside. And I did have some reasons to be outside um, during the early part of the day. And I just never got over it. I still feel like I'm, I still kind of feel like part of me has been left outside forever. Um, And so when I have that feeling uh, when I'm beaten, being beaten down by uh, our, our version of summer, uh, I have to go back to the classic. Uh, So I have a gin and tonic um with Tanqueray because uh you know when it's time when it's time to get over your summer suffering gin is the gin is the drink yeah it's almost, it is it's almost a good commercial for gin yeah not Tanqueray sure. Tanqueray not green hat though uh I don't have any green hat um I haven't had green hat in a while um but I have Tanqueray I think I have I have at least like half a handle left of Tanqueray because I've always got some Tanqueray. That's uh my favorite of the easily found uh gins. A Tanqueray man over a beef eater man. Yeah, I would say so. Um also actually uh I prefer Tanqueray to um uh Bombay Sapphire, uh which I know is an unpopular uh-huh. opinion, but um I'm a I'm a big fan of, of Tanqueray's uh tank Tanqueray Etude. I'm a cheap man, so I usually go with uh, Seagram's. Seagram's is all right. Um, I think Seagram's, if you're going to go cheap on gin, Seagram's is uh, pretty much like, if if you're going below that, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And with that in mind, uh, DC United was in trouble. Uh, on DC uh, United was below Seagram's level of gin soccer. I mean, they got a below Seagram's level result for sure. Um, last Wednesday, uh, in the U.S. Open Cup round of sixteen, facing Orlando City, after uh, well, they they did get about five minutes and fifteen seconds of soccer in before having an 82-minute delay due to lightning in the area. The game resumed. DC scored quickly through Lucho Acosta in the ninth minute. Um, They looked more or less in charge until Orlando manufactured one attack and Justin Merrim hit a shot hard that Steve Clark probably should have saved with his arms, and if not with his arms, then definitely with his legs. But none of those things uh, stopped the ball, and DC gave up kind of a gut punch of a goal in the 16th minute. And uh, despite some disputed calls, uh, despite some officiating issues, um, this game went to extra time where uh, nothing really happened until Chris Durkin got his second yellow. Uh, DC then had to hang on for, I want to say, 21 minutes. Um, to go to penalties where they came up short. Uh, Yamil Assad had his save. Lucho hit the crossbar on a Panenka attempt, and uh, they fell 4-2 uh, on penalties. So they're out of the Open Cup. Um, but uh, I know a lot about this game because I was there and could see everything. Uh, I'm to understand that you guys maybe didn't have as good a vantage point. Wait, before we get into that, can we can we talk for a second about the penalty kicks? Um, the The... You have to try and make the shot. This is not a time where you're just you can guess or or you can do some you know willy nilly Panenka shot. Like, come on, man! Like, we had some terrible penalty kicks, and it seemed like they were just trying to toy with the, with the keeper instead of just slotting it home, like like Orlando was doing. Orlando wasn't doing any gimmicks in the games; they were just slotting it home. That's why they won. That's why they got through on penalty kicks is because we. We didn't take it seriously, and we kind of need to do that. Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, Assad had, in against North Carolina, he took a very good penalty. Um, this one, it just, I think his whole idea was to send Edwards the wrong way, and he just didn't. Um, mm-hmm. The um, Acosta penalty, I mean, if it were a good t- Panenka, it would have worked. Um, he did get Edwards to dive. Um but I, I was surprised that he even took one because he was definitely cramping up, um, definitely playing the last few minutes of the game with a wince on his face um, due to just, you know, both teams put a lot into it. So there were a lot of heavy legs on both sides. Um, he looked, fi- I mean, granted, Lucho always has the, um, when, when he's feeling a little something, he's always visibly um, irritated by it, but will then go and make a sprint anyway. Um but yeah, he looked like someone who was banged up a little bit and maybe shouldn't be taking a penalty. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was a physical problem that caused him to overhit his penalty. I, I would have thought it would have been a physical problem if he underhit his penalty. But um, yeah, I think there is something to be say for, said for the Patrick Mullins method of um, shooting hard and into the corner. Um, because generally speaking, if you do that, it it doesn't really matter what the goalkeeper does. Um, right. Uh, unfortunately, we were down one at that point. It wasn't like we were up, you know, three to one on penalties, and he's like, right. "Okay, here's a good opportunity." We were down one. That means we needed to get this back, and right. 
that was the wrong decision. That was very ill-timed. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was frustrating. Um, it was frustrating for sure. Even, you know, Steve Clark did produce a PK save to keep, you know, the funny thing was if, um, Harks had missed his on round three, that would have been it. It would have been over after three rounds, the absolute uh, fastest it could have ended. Um, and yet, you know, we got to have a little bit of hope because Harks scored and then uh, Jose Villarreal had his saved and then Mullins scored. Um, but uh, Josue Coleman ended up... Uh, also, I want to say Villarreal came in in the 121st minute, which means his only job in this game was to take a penalty kick. Yep. Um, and he blew it. Um, unfortunately though, uh, it, it wasn't that, that mistake wasn't enough. Um, and, uh, we've got to deal with, um, going out of a tournament that, that DC actually went all in on, but, um, I know against a uh, team I hate, like yes. hate a lot. Um, and there were like five, uh, Orlando city fans who decided to sit together as a group, um, at this one, which you might've heard, uh, you might've heard their chanting on the, uh, penalty kick shootout because, uh, they got right behind the goal. Um, but maybe you didn't hear anything on the, I uh, sure didn't because maybe the stream just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Hey, us soccer, your stream sucks. It's really bad. And you should be embarrassed about it because you used to have a decent streaming solution when you used YouTube and your, uh, Eula player now is just shit. It's just really bad, and you should be embarrassed about it. No, because... okay, let's, let's call it what it is. That was bullshit. Like, yeah, you, I mean, there was a whole, I'd say, twenty minutes of the game that I could not see because yep. the the stream was frozen, and then all of a sudden just went to the old visual of the U.S. the new U.S. soccer logo from like the eighteen eighties, like. That that's that's that is a crime when you are the only source for this. I would have rather I would have I would have rather have watched it on Goal TV on a closed circuit television stream from 2010. Like because that's we basically talking, what it was. We were talking about this before, but I I literally was about to at Jason and say, Jason, can you <laughs> act this out for us because we yes, can't see. In, it. I, Jason needed to do interpretive dance for us because that would have been yeah. better than what U.S. Soccer's stream was. Or like what ESPN's doing with the World Cup because they don't have the rights to the highlights, so they're just making drawings of, of, of highlights. I would have had Jason whip up a couple <laughs> drawings of what we were, what we were missing. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just embarrassing that, a, that this tournament that is important for all of these teams is given even worse treatment than it was a couple of years ago. And you can't watch it until like the semifinals when it's on a real TV stream. If at least put it on ESPN plus where the rest of, uh, of All MLS league. games are and USL games are, and anybody who has a uh, streaming contract, you, uh, ESPN plus has been gobbling up those games, put it on there or put it on YouTube, but don't put it on this bespoke, uh, terrible platform that nobody can efficiently watch. And nobody, it, even at that, it, it doesn't have apps to watch on your TV. You can either Chromecast it or whatever the Apple cast version of Chromecasting is. But if you don't have any of those things, you can't watch it on your TV. So you watch a broken stream on your computer and it's just, it's, it's terrible. You know what this signifies to me? It, you know, we, you just said it. You, you talk about how it's important to us 
but it's clearly not important to them because yeah, it's not important to U.S. soccer. Yeah, if it was important to them, they would have an ESPN Plus. I mean, ESPN Plus is probably dying to have stuff like this because yeah. I mean, remember last year they they broadcast on TV the semifinals and the finals of, of the U.S. Open Cup. You you think they would at least say, "Yo, just, yeah, throw down ESPN Plus with all the you know other four hundred games that we have," and there, it would be a much better quality. And if they want USL games, of course they would want U.S. Open Cup games, and they could just throw it on their servers that have the bandwidth to to stream and to stream such a game and the bandwidth to put it on people's TVs. Yeah. Through their, through their streaming app. Yeah. It really, I mean, it really let everybody down. And, and, but it, the thing about it is we talk about this every single open yeah. cut game. It's not just, it was not just our game that was having these issues. It was every single game that I watched. You know, I watched a few games while we had an 82 minute delay and I probably saw about eight minutes of action because every time a stream would break, I would just go to the next one. And then it would break, and I'd go to another one, and go back to one that was broken before. The, the streams were down all over the place, and I know they'll probably come back and say, "Oh, well, it was the weather," but it wasn't the weather. It was it was across the board. So that means it's not the weather; it's it's you. What's interesting to me is that um, in recent years they've shown some interest in doing a little more to get every game um, shown. So. It, a couple of years ago, it was they're going to stream the U.S. soccer would guarantee streaming of one game every round. And, you know, in the first round, they'd be out at some random, you know, high school for, um, you know, one of the amateur qualifiers against someone from the PDL. Um, and that, you know, that's pretty cool when they got one and it would work. Um, that's pretty cool. And this year they tried to do as many games as they could. Um the downside of it was that it seemed like they were like, no, we will stream them. And so the teams, you can't do it yourself. It's got to be us. Um, and so it's like, okay, that's fine. If you're going to handle, if U.S. soccer is going to handle streaming all of these games, that's great. Um, just make sure you can actually do the job. Um, and I think that's where they came up short is that they they intend to stream every game and they've got people in place to do that work, but what something in the something in the process, whether it's the technology, whether it's the people they're sending, I don't know what's going on, but obviously it came up short because, um, like you said, Donald, a lot of those other games where it was the same situation. Um, and the, and the hubris of this is that all of these teams that are USL level or better, they have mandated streaming solutions already in place. So it's just that U.S. Soccer came in and messed it up. They have the ability to do this already. They've been mandated by their leagues to do this already. It's just that U.S. soccer messed it up. And here's the thing. like Teams like Atlanta show their stream all their games on their website for anybody. And it's a simple fix. Like we, it, it seemed like we had all the equipment. I mean, Dave Johnson was on the call solo for this yep. game for everybody. So, And yeah, we've, we've seen plenty of Washington Spirit games from – the Washington Soccerplex that are fine to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And they, I mean, even on TV, like that, that sort of uh, bandwidth or that equipment, that those cameras were, were evident. You can, you can do that at the Soccerplex. Yeah. So it wasn't a matter of facilities. It wasn't a matter of logistics. It was just a matter of their, their stuff sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's bizarre because, you know, I, I understand the idea that, they feel like they have to take the burden of streaming on because there are teams in MLS that have 
failed to get a stream together for, for some of these games. Um, not DC. DC usually, when they're in the Open Cup, they usually find a way to, to put it out, put it out there themselves. And sometimes the results have been hit or miss, but there's a genuine effort to get those streams out. There are teams in the league who have been like, yeah, whatever. Um, we'll stream it if we get to the quarterfinals. Um, and so, you know, on one hand, I'm glad that U.S. soccer was like, okay, there are enough teams in this country that are just going to shrug and not put a stream together. Um for open cup games that we have to take over that job. Uh, but I feel like maybe they should have said like, let's poll every team and see if they're willing to do it on their own. And the teams that aren't willing, will just, you know, pick up the slack for them. Um, and instead it's, everybody is subject to this method of streaming and uh, the outcome is uh, negative for just about everyone. Unless, or, unless you had time to get out to the soccer plex on a Wednesday night. Or we do it like this. You're already having teams having to bid, right, on on uh, applying to host, right? They have to have certain requirements. That should be one of those requirements. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, but going back to the, the actual game uh, that took place, um, we ended up having some, um, some issues uh, on the field. Um, Joseph Mora went down injured right before halftime. Um, and if you've been keeping track of DC United, you know that Joseph Mora was half of the available, uh, fullbacks on the team. Um, and so him being hurt, uh, it was interesting to watch from the press table because for, for a moment, um, junior Moreno was actually, he had warmed up, uh, when Moreno went down, uh, he and Jalen Robinson began warming up, um, Moreno actually was the one to take his penny off. He put his jersey on. He was getting instructions. Um, and then at almost at the last moment, uh, they changed course and went with Robinson. Now, I'm not sure what they were going to do uh, bringing Moreno in who or who was going to move where. I, I assume that Durkin would have played um, as a fullback in that scenario. Um, but instead, uh, Robinson came in. Fisher moved over to left back. Um, and I've got to say Robinson played, I think better, um, as a right back than I think we've seen when he's had to play that role in a while, because in the past it was like, well, he's not quite big enough to be a center back, but he looks really uncomfortable as a right back. So maybe he's just a center back and that's it. Um, but in this game, he got forward. Well, he put in a couple good crosses. Um, Orlando didn't really get anything going, uh, down his side. On a, on a regular basis. Um, he, he, uh, he kind of came through. I mean, it, it, it might be a case where he's, um, he's starting. There was no word after the game, um, as to what Mora's injury even was or, um, what his prognosis was. Um, but, uh, there's a chance that we're going to be going into this weekend's game with Robinson at right back, Fisher at that left back. And, even less fullback depth, depth than we had, which uh, I felt like was impossible before, but here we are. Uh, Jason, you're the backup fullback after that, right? Uh, if I am, then they're going to have a hard time because uh, I don't have any travel arrangements to get up to New England. So um, I, I guess I could be subbed in and not be present. And they say, no, he's in the game. He's just not here um, because I'll be at home. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a, a great plan, but uh, when you sounds get like down, the best plan they have. I mean, when you get down to um, 
playing people out of position uh, at fullback, um, at least for the time being. I guess there's a chance that um, Nick DeLeon's knee injury will be um, – he'll be healed up from that and can actually rejoin the team, which would be a, a welcome addition. Um because as much as Robinson did well in this game, it's still we have a long history of of him not being comfortable as a right back, um, and this is a league match against a, um, a, a presumably a full strength opponent. Um, we're probably going to see um, Christian Pena lining up against whoever we've got at right back, so uh, it's potentially a big problem for the weekend. Um, and I guess it comes back to. Uh, the point that this team needs me to add a fullback. Um, we've actually lost a fullback uh, since uh, the last time we were ha- on the show. We had um, Taylor Kemp, I guess on Thursday, I want to say, was added to the um, season-ending injured reserve. So he's not coming back anytime soon. For either a hip or a shoulder injury, it is unknown based on what DC United stated. Right, um, but his hip, his hip is what had bothered him in the past, so yes. I assume that it's that. Um, but either way, he's he is not coming coming back anytime soon, um, and fullback remains a problem for this team. And I mean, it remained a problem because of quality issues, but now we've also just got no fullbacks available. Um, so good luck to O'Neill Fisher. I think um, let's hope that his uh, next few days are straightforward and easy and there are no uh knocks being picked up or else uh ben olsen's gonna have to get really really creative on the weekend or ben Um, olsen will have to start himself at fullback right um members of the coaching staff uh might be getting uh emergency contracts or uh Um, call call devin mctavish down from the uh the broadcasting booth to resume his uh fullback Um, position i mean i Honestly, I, I just said emergency contracts, and it does click in my head that MLS teams can bring players up from their USL affiliate and sign them to temporary contracts. Um, the, the idea is that you, you sign a player, it's, I think it's a four-day contract, and if you sign them to more, a, a single player can't get more than three temporary contracts before you're obliged to give them a full contract. Um and since DC has not used that yet, if they get desperate to that point, they might be asking Richmond if they've got any spare fullbacks. Um, we might be that deep into this. Um, Unfortunately, Richmond is so bad this year that, I mean, they can send somebody up, but it probably won't help anything. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not good. Um, nope. It, the options are all pretty rough. Like, I, I think the... Devin McTavish uh, unretiring option might actually be the best one <laughs> on the table right now. Um, which, uh, I, you know, it's a situation to bear watching, but also like, it, I feel like, you know, when you put your fingers over your eyes and then you peek through the little gap, um, it's what you're watching it like that because a, mag- a magic Chris Corb resurgence. Uh, yeah, I think they'd have to track him down. I think he's hanging out with um, his buddies in Cleveland uh, these days. So I don't know what's going on. Um, speaking of players that, uh, won't be available for a future match, um, Chris Durkin picked up two yellows in this one. Um, so he'll be suspended for the next open cup game in, in 2019. Um, both of them were just fouls where he was late. Um, he cleaned, um, uh, Sasha question out the, the second, um, 
second yellow came at, at midfield. Orlando was breaking forward and um, question made the made his pass and Durkin arrived like a full second late and just knocked him down. Um, question, I don't know if it came through on the stream because I don't know if the stream is working at this point, but question definitely sold it with a very loud yell. Um, but that part ultimately doesn't matter because it was just, you know, it was another late tackle. And uh, even after the game, Ben Olsen in the middle of saying that he did not think the officiating was good all night long. Um, he actually said that he feels like U.S. soccer needs to do a better job in that department of finding better referees for um, the early rounds of the Open Cup because he says it's a recurring problem. But in the middle of that, he did say that he did not have any dispute with uh, the Dirk and Yellow cards. Um, I, I Honestly, I don't even know. Did you guys actually see these plays or were you able, was the stream functioning at the time? Nope. It was a hot, hot trash mess express. It was a dumpster fire. Okay. Well, um, but I'll take your word for it. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it was the kind of game that, um, I, I believe the quote from Ben Olsen was that, um, you know, we're all watching Dirk and grow and it's beautiful, but sometimes it's heartbreaking because, um, the mistakes he made in this one are mistakes that, you know, a more experienced player isn't going to make. And a couple of years from now, he's not going to make these mistakes. Um, but right now he's still got that um, he, he doesn't quite have a sense of how big and strong he is essentially. And, and so when he runs into somebody, he tends to leave a mark. He tends to put people on the ground. Um, and as he gets a little more experienced, he'll be able to leverage his strength in a good way and not just, you know, leave someone with the, the opportunity to sell the referee on um, like, Hey, that guy really took me out. Um, you know, he, he can send people flying and that's, you know, that has positives. It's good to be stronger than your opponent, um, but it can be a negative when you're committing fouls that maybe you get a yellow card when otherwise you might not have gotten it. If you were, you know, a smaller player, if junior Moreno commits the same foul, maybe it's not as dramatic looking because he's smaller. Um, so that side of things was not, it's not ideal. Um, and it was, it was the kind of play where as soon as he went in, uh, I, you know, was doing the like pinch your nose, um, and the stressed out face where you pinch your nose because it's like the, the bridge of your nose, I should say, because you could see what he was trying to do. He's trying to break up a counterattack um, and send a message. Uh, and if he's there just a moment sooner, that is exactly what happens. Um, but the risk involved in that moment is high enough where it's not worth actually going in. Um, United ended up going into a, predictably into a 4-4-1. Um, Juno Moreno came on for Zoltan Stieber, who who didn't look too happy to be the guy getting uh, selected to, to sub out. Um, though I will say in Olsen's defense, I thought in this game, Assad and Acosta were the more dangerous attacking midfielders. So it, it, this time it made sense to me. Um, and, and as any coach will tell you, you don't really want someone who's happy to come out of the game. Um, that's never a good sign, but uh, in the end, it, it cost um, United really only got to make one sub by choice in this entire game. Um, the Mora substitution was injury enforced. Durkin, I'm sure, wasn't going to get subbed out if not, or I mean, uh, not that he got subbed out, but they wouldn't have made a move at defensive midfield um, unless Durkin was sent off or unless they got a goal. 
Um, so in the end, they only got to make one move, and it was Mullins for Darren Maddox. And Mullins comes into a game where he's a lone forward on a team with 10 men. Um, there's not really a whole lot he's going to get done. Um, he came in and converted his penalty. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, it, it, it wasn't that they played badly. Um, they did get kind of surprised by the fact that Orlando played a 3-4-3 for the first time ever, um, which is wild given that their coach had all of two days uh, between being appointed as the interim coach uh, to starting a lineup that they had never fielded before. Um, and I think they were also surprised that Orlando fielded so many top uh, starters because with their game on the weekend against Montreal and their season going the way it was going, I think it was pretty reasonable to expect more likely a rotated team. And instead we ended up with um, two almost completely first choice teams. I think both Orlando and DC were starting nine or 10 uh, normal starters. Um, so it was kind of, it's kind of interesting. It, we don't see that much in the open cup. Um I don't know if you guys had any any opinions on Olsen's choices as far as his lineup goes. I think with with regards to Durkin, um, we've seen him at times this year play like he is 24 or 25. And sometimes he plays when he like he's 18. And and that's I think kind of the the give and take we kind of have to assume when we put him in a lineup is, is that, you know, sometimes he's gonna play like his age and uh, I think he did that, uh, you know, last week against Orlando. But I think with regards to the decision making of of, of the uh, of the Open Cup game, I'm I'm not I'm not quite sure what their rationale is because some teams go for it, some teams don't. Uh, it's very, but it's very evident in their uh, in their lineups, in their the guys they call off the bench. I thought our lineup was pretty strong. It was, as you said, as close to our starting lineup as as we possibly can get. And I think it was the substitutes that were like, oh, maybe we're not really going for it, or maybe we're trying to hang on for a draw for some reason, um, because that's sort of the the, the I, I guess the the substitutes we made kind of led you to believe like, why are we going for a draw? Um, this is a game where somebody has to win uh, eventually, whether it's penalties or an extra time or whatever. Um, and we kind of play like after ninety minutes, the game's going to be over. So it's kind of hard. It was kind of hard to kind of pinpoint what what the thought process was behind some of those decisions. Yeah, I think. I mean, in the end, it, the impression I was left with was that um, United really wanted to go for this. It seemed like after the game that you know people were hurt. They it wasn't just oh well we lost you know no big deal. Um, Olson mentioned uh, on you know, without, without the press asking a question about it, he mentioned the fact that, um, you only, generally speaking, you only get, uh, three opportunities a year to lift a trophy in MLS, uh, or for, if you're an MLS team, you get three, three days a year where you might lift a trophy. Um, and one of those is the open cup final. And it's the only trophy that he's gotten his hands on. Um, and he wanted, you know, he wanted to get back there for himself. He wanted, um, the team to get back there for them. Um, and he said, you know, the schedule really opened it up where they could, um, uh, really make a go of it. And the fact that it, it came up just a little short was frustrating. I know, um, he was very emphatic, um, that the Darren Maddox goal, uh, about, I want to say 32nd minute, 31st minute, um, 
he was very emphatic that that goal should have stood. Um, he didn't want to get too down on, you know, the, the goal that Orlando scored is one that Steve Clark is going to probably beat himself up over. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it was one of those games where it was, it, it was frustrating because it's, they were almost good enough in a bunch of different categories, but that's kind of this year in a lot of ways is that the, they've been close to good enough. And then there's an individual blunder, like the goal. Uh, they're almost good enough, but um, they can't quite get over the line like the penalty kicks. Um, there's a lot of almost with this team and, and, you know, it's wearing us down a little bit as a fan base. And I'm sure it's wearing the group down because I think they can see how close they are to um, doing some things and having some success. They just can't quite sustain it for more than a game here or a game there. Um, And, you know, it comes with pressure because once the, once the stadium opens and the games are coming rapid fire, they're going to have to put together a string of good results um, and a string of results where it's not almost and where it's not, we were good except for that one mistake. And that, that really uh, blew the whole game for us. Those And it's, and it's sad that they're, they're going to have to be even better in those home games because these almost results have driven them into a deeper hole than they could have been in once we get to Audi field. Yeah, uh, they are definitely, um, you know, when you've got a team spending money on, a, you know, big name player like Wayne Rooney is everyone, you know, it keeps appearing to be very close to being done. Um, when you're opening a new stadium, there's real pressure to get results in that scenario when the spotlight's on you and United's position in the standings. I mean, if you want to you know, give people the glass half full impression. You could say, look, uh, if, if they just win their games in hand on Philadelphia, who are in sixth place right now, um, if DC wins their games in hand, they would actually be a point ahead of Philadelphia, but that would require winning four games. Um, right. So on one hand, the door is open. On the other hand, it's going to be very difficult to get through that door just the way things are because um you know, they haven't quite kept touch with the pack. I think um, I think the pack is where United probably expected it to be at this stage of the year, 21 points being the line for the playoffs. I think that they probably hope to have 13 or 14, maybe even 15 by this point in the standings or by this point in the season. And, you know, we can think back to where those points were lost, you know, two points lost in Orlando, um, a few other games where, you know, if you at RSL, for example, if Joseph Mora doesn't uh, make two colossal errors in like 90 seconds, um, they probably can win that game. Um, you know, it, it's, it's shaping up to be a kind of season where there's a lot of like, if only this thing had gone right, if only that thing had gone right. Um, talking to people that follow other teams or that are just following the league um, and aren't in our little DC United bubble where it's a lot of um, anguish and anxiety. Um, I think a lot of people outside our little world tend to think DC is still in a decent position, maybe not in a good position, but in a decent, you know, a viable position, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but for us, it just feels like, you know, living these results and having to, um, you know, live with the frustration of going out 
to Orlando in the Open Cup when Orlando came into the match on a six-game losing streak and then went and lost to Montreal again. Um, you know, it's it's a frustrating t- time to be a fan. Um, and, may, you know, I, I kind of I, – I hope that the people that aren't, you know, ground down by these results are more correct than us inside the bubble where we're like, how is this going to work? Like, how are they going to catch up? Um but this was, a, you know, this game kind of fits the profile with the rest of the season where um, they did a lot right, but it wasn't quite enough to get the job done on the day. And, you know, how often are we going to say that before we get to the point where there's just nothing left to be done? Yep. Um, I am blanking on any other uh, topics we had for this one. Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to bring up uh, on this game? I do not. None here. All right. Well, that's uh, we'll put that one to bed then, and uh, I will be privately uh, fairly miserable. I guess I could mention that um, uh, the soccerplex and its uh, many delays uh, mercifully finally stopped happening uh, at the Spirit game over the weekend. Um, but, uh, I'm starting to, to just become, uh, one with the soccer plex. Um, this time during the break, there were enough people there where there weren't any free chairs inside the media room. So I just sat on the floor. Um, and it reminded me of being like a little kid and you just sit on the floor and play with your toys or read a book or whatever. Um, and, are, you, are you now Boyd McGrass? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I am just a, a dog whose job it is is to keep um, geese and ducks off of the fields. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know anymore. Um, the fact that the soccerplex just keeps having these delays. Um, and I was trying to tell people at the press table that hadn't been there for spirit games. I was like, oh yeah, there's a lightning horn. Um, it'll sound if there's lightning within a ten mile radius. And they're like, oh, a ten mile radius, that could be anywhere. I was like, yeah, it's, it's. Um, it's very sensitive, uh, so there's that. That's a problem. And as soon as it went off, people were like, "What was that?" And I was like, "No, that's the lightning delay horn." So you know, this is uh, we're on a delay now, and everyone's like, "No, that can't be. It can't be. It. There's nothing going on yet. There's no rain." I'm like, "It's coming. It's a delay. Let's go inside." Um, yeah, the so Richmond I, kick, the Richmond Kickers games I've been to uh, recently they they do not do a ten mile radius horn. Their radius is like two or three miles. Oh, the, the soccerplex has apparently a very, very uh, cutting-edge uh, lightning detection system. Um, it's a point of pride for the soccerplex. Uh, too too cutting-edge? Yeah, it's a point of inconvenience for everyone else. Um, and so uh, I, I kind of found myself in position of the, like, this is your guide to what happens when there's a delay at the soccerplex. Um, what doesn't happen uh, with the curfew at the soccerplex is they don't shut the place down promptly at 11 o'clock. Um, I don't know what, uh, what experience people have with local ordinances as far as like noise or, um, time constrictions, but, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't kick the doors (laughs) in and like roll through there and just start arresting people or, you know, turning the lights out and just telling everyone to go home. Um, there's flexibility. It's sort of like, um, you know, if, if you have um, a party at your house and there's noise being played, it's not really a that there is a defined level that theoretically your local police department could come and test the decibel level coming out of your house. But it's much more of an art than a science. Um, they're not going to bring their 
decibel tester to your house uh, for the noise complaint, they're probably just going to come by and be like, look, can you guys turn down a little bit? Um, and it's like that with the soccer plex. If they see like, oh, it's only going to be a few more minutes. Okay. We're not going to, we're not going to bother with this. Can I, um, I, I may, I, I've probably told this story before, but can I start the next segment with my story about uh, noise ordinances and the Ying Yang twins? I mean, we can't really stop you since you have control over whether we're recording or not. I mean, I just want to know if you all want to hear this story, I, or if, or if I've told it. I don't think I've heard this. All right, I well, let, I, let's go. I'm going to tease. I'm going to tease it and start the next segment with this story. All right, well, prepare yourself. Uh, after the break, we will have more uh, Yin Yang Twins content, as you've come to expect on this podcast. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean. Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So 2007 was a very special time in our lives. We were all much younger, much more naive. And the Ying Yang Twins made a online petition that your college, if you had enough petition signatories, could get the Ying Yang Twins to come to your college. And for some reason, my tiny College of William & Mary won that online petition. Uh, The College of William & Mary is very not diverse. They're doing better now, but especially at that time, they were very not diverse. So getting the Ying Ying twins, even on that level, was uh, 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 very not in line with the normal kind of musicians that come to William and Mary. And so they played their concert at an outside amphitheater at William and Mary. Opening uh, their opening act was a local uh, folk singer. Uh, which just gives you even more inclination into the type of event it was. And the entire time they were on the stage, they had to play both the radio edits of their songs because the city of Williamsburg was worried about uh, people across the lake hearing curse words, I guess. Lots of curse words. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, and then the, the city official on the stage the entire time shut them down immediately at 11. There was no, like, oh, this concert is about to be over. There was no, like, oh, we'll give them 10 or 15 more minutes. 11 p.m. struck. The uh, Williamsburg city official on the stage shut it down. 
And that was the end of the Ying Yang Twins concert at William and Mary. So Williamsburg doesn't like fun. Got it. Yeah, because it's uh, it's forty percent college students, sixty percent people over sixty five, and that's the composition of the city of Williamsburg. Groups love to hang out. Yep, they love to hang out together, and especially all of them love the Ying Yang Twins. I I have a a similar experience from a concert at the University of Maryland. Uh, George Clinton played, and. you tell George Clinton that his show needs to be over by 11 or 12 or whatever. And he doesn't care. Um, he, do, he doesn't have any time for your, your limits. Um, so he played for a while and then he played well over whatever they told him um, was the end of the show. And eventually they were like, uh, someone went up on stage and there was clearly some sort of, the, the song's still going on. Um, but someone's talking to him and is like, you need to, you need to stop the, like wrap this song up and let it be over. And he's like, no, um, <laughs> No, thank you. Um, and so eventually, the uh, the university, because he at this point it was he had gone on like half an hour past his limit. He was just not going to stop playing music um, until I guess he felt like he had said what he had to say for the night. Um, and so they eventually shut the power off, and him and his band just continued playing. Um, which, when you have like electric guitars and keyboards, and you don't have any power. It, th- those don't work anymore. Um, so his drummer and like people with maracas and um, tambourines and stuff, they kept going. And George Clinton just stood at the front of the stage and was just yelling his song lyrics uh, until he finished uh, one more song. And then he was like, all right, fine. Um, this this yelling thing I can't really do for like another hour or so, but I would have kept going. Um, and people didn't leave. Um, people were like, I'm going to stay for the If he's going to stay, I'm going to stay. Um, which was, what's pretty cool, even though by the end it was just like vague yelling from a a stage with the drummer. Um, you know, sometimes that's, uh, you have to make your stand, I guess. Um, and, uh, awkwardly I'm going to transition from that into DC United's game this weekend. They are back in MLS action for the first time in, I don't know, like six months. It feels like. Um, they'll be playing the New England Revolution up at uh, Gillette Stadium. Uh, the Revs are actually surprisingly good this year. Um, it's it's weird to say because they didn't really make too many changes to their roster. Um, they got rid of Lee Wynn, and yet, um, and also they they brought in Brad Friedel, who, if you followed his announcing on um, MLS broadcast in the past. It was very much a very simple version of the game. His vision seemed to be very much about um, being a tough guy and uh, trying hard and good old-fashioned uh, 90s English honest effort um, kind of thought process. But the Revs are sitting in fifth place. Uh, they've got 24 points. Uh, they've got a positive goal difference. Um they haven't been good on the road, but this game is at Gillette Stadium. They're five two and two there. Um, I think I can speak for all three of us in saying that a Friedel led New England Revolution being good or even decent is a pretty major surprise. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, Brad Friedel's a really bad announcer who gives rote, terrible analysis on tv so you it, it it's like 
Warren Barton being good at coaching soccer in the United States. It's just not something that I thought would ever be possible. And yet here we are and he's leading a good team and it's, it, it's, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, even like Teal Bunbury is doing well for this team instead of uh, uh, Kellen Rowe. I mean, it's, it's, it's baffling in every way, shape and form. Yeah. If, um, for for our listeners that haven't followed too many Revs games, um, Teal Bunbury has nine goals this year in 16 games. He's kept uh, Juan Agudelo on the bench all season long. Um, Kellen Rowe has only started a handful of games. Um, they've they've mostly used him off the bench. Um, and it's not that they went out and got a ton of talent. We mentioned um, Christian Pania in the the first segment and he's been really really good they brought him in on loan from someone in Liga MX I can't remember um he's been really good um down down the left wing he's been a problem for pretty much everyone that they've played against um but other than that it's been kind of you know they they signed Julio Anibaba as an MLS free agent and he's become a starting center back for them um and generally speaking, his level of play in the past has been like decent depth uh, defender. Um, and yet the Revs are getting by with him as a starter. Um, they haven't really, I mean, Matt Turner was their third string goalkeeper. Um, he had played more with Richmond uh, than he had with New England in his time yep. there. And when he started getting starts in the preseason, people were like, well, maybe there's an injury we don't know about. Um, no one believed that Matt Turner was going to be their starter. And yet um, for a while there, I mean, he's kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of form, but for a while there, people were talking about him as a potential um, goalkeeper of the year nominee. Um, so whatever Friel's doing, I mean, as much as it's surprising when you look at their roster, that you look at the lineups they're putting out there and you say, this, this team is in a playoff spot. Um, it's, it's working. Um They've changed to more of a high press style. It's very much about being fast, being physical, um, and just being difficult to play against. And somehow it's worked. I can keep going if you guys want. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, when it comes to this game, I'm I'm not worried about X's and O's, not worried about stats. Like, we are what I think we have like three to four games in hand on everybody uh, in the Eastern conference. And, you know, when you're doing the math, if you're talking about, you know, we've been building towards Audi field opening, we've been building towards this period of the rest of the year where we're going to have two to three games a week. And I think that when you do that and, you know, we're already talking about the excuses of, Oh, we won't win every game. We're not going to, we can't get results every single time once Audi Field opens just because we're just going to have too many games. But we already have to. Yeah, we have to. We have to get like, I mean, what last year I think what, 50 points is what was the sixth place that got into the playoffs, and we're at 10 right now. Right. The good thing is we have four more games than everybody else to make up some ground. But in all intents and purposes, if you're looking at it, we got to get about 40 points to, to get into, you know, get into the playoffs. And you can't lose games when you have – Theoretically, we have 10 days of rest. And, uh, you know, we had a team that really, if you take out the Open Cup, we haven't had a game in two and a half weeks. So we got to win this game. 
you got to get these points. you got to get a result. And also, really, just to get some momentum because you don't want to be rolling into Audi Field with a loss. You don't want to be rolling into Audi Field where people are like, well, this team is just out of it already. You want to give the, give the fans something to, to have hope over it, something to be like, all right, this, this is the start of a new beginning. The calendar is going to hit July. We'll go to L.A. We'll, we'll beat those guys, and then we'll come home, and Audi Field opens, and, and we will finally have a place to call our own, and the momentum will be in our favor. But if you come and play like, you know, this game doesn't count, then the fans are just going to be like, well, they're, you know, season's over. Like, and, and we, we're talking about this in June. We can't have that. It, it's it's a weird game, actually, for both teams timing-wise because, you know, DC is coming off of no league matches for a while. Um, their last league match was June 13th um, against Toronto uh, in a game that is has scarred my brain, at least in its strangeness. Um, meanwhile, uh, the Revs are coming in. They haven't played since the same day. It's the same amount of time. They didn't even have an open cup game in between now and then because they got knocked out uh, at the first um, in, in the, the fifth round or fourth round um, by Louisville city. So um, they've had over, they're going to have 17 days between games in the end, um, which is probably way too many days. Like you lose sharpness over that amount of time. Um, and they're also not necessarily coming in in their best form. Um, I'm looking at the form guide and they've got one win in their last six games. Um, and their last two games involve draws against Chicago and San Jose, who are not very good. Um, we know we've played San Jose. We saw that they're pretty bad. Um, so, you know, on one hand, the Rebs are, um, they've had plenty of time to game plan for this one and focus on this one. On the other hand, they've probably had too much time uh, t- to prep for this one. Um, I- I'm sure that um, DC is probably not necessarily happy to have 10 days between games. That's usually coaches will complain about more than a week. Um, so I can only imagine how the Revs feel with uh, another week tacked on on top of that. Um, but, you know, you're right, Donald. Uh, this team needs to get going. Um, there's not much time. There's only this game uh, July 4th um, at at LA and then another 10 day wait between games before they open Audi field. So um, getting, getting some, some positive results going. I mean, a draw at Toronto was on paper, a positive result until you dig into the details and realize that it was a game that they were leading three, nothing. Um, and they've, and all their previous results had spoiled that as a decent result. They have to get, they needed to get some wins where they weren't expected over this uh, early season road trip, and they haven't. Right, right. we're, we're going to be more important now. Like we're we're going to be, you know, when you're playing, how many games are going to have in the second half of the season? Seventeen, you know, eighteen or no, I'm sorry, twenty. It's actually twenty because we have five road games and fifteen home games, yep. and in that mix are teams that we quote unquote should not beat. And we're going to have to get results against all of them. Not like some of them, not most of them. We have to really, if we, if we're putting ourselves into a hole where to make the playoffs or to even be in contention for the playoffs, we got to win out or, or get results for the rest of the season. Uh, and then there, even, even with that, at a certain point, you got to stop thinking about ties. You got to start thinking about three points instead of one. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, we're six games into the road trip and DC's got one win. 
Um, it was the win at San Jose. Um, they've got, you know, stepping away and just looking at them as purely as results, a, a draw at LAFC, a draw at Toronto. Those aren't bad outcomes. Um, but then you look at the games they lost, you know, leading in Seattle when Seattle was bad, um, not letting that or letting that become a loss was a bad result. Um, at RSL, as I mentioned before, um, you know, Joseph Moore really threw that one away for DC. They, they still almost made that one work, which is ridiculous. Um, playing at 10 men at altitude. Um, but really the, the game that I'll come back to probably a bunch of times is, um, losing at Philadelphia, um, in the nature, in the fashion that they lost that game, um, having, you know, they had a potential momentum starter um, with the win over Columbus, having to fight their way um, down ten men or down to ten, um, fighting through all that pressure from Columbus and getting the win. That should have started something good, and then they fell on their face. It's like you had to start all over again. Um, so yeah, this is you know it. It's a weird. The timing of it makes it feel almost like it's not that big of a deal, but it's actually a pretty big game for DC if you want to get into a um, playoff spot, you know, let, if we're being real, Atlanta, NYCFC, the Red Bulls, Columbus, we know they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, that leaves only two spots for everyone else, and New England's sitting in one of those spots right now. Um, so if we're going to talk about playoffs, we also need to talk about um, stopping the teams that are possibly in those playoff spots from getting in. Um, and that means taking points off New England's table. Um, and you know, on one hand, it's a great opportunity to do that because the revs are, you know, potentially looking at rust, uh, being off for so long, but it also means that this is a very high pressure game for DC and not as much pressure as on new England. They can afford a loss here or there without necessarily falling apart. DC at this point with, um, you know, if they lose to new England, they're going to be 17 points behind them. Um, which would mean they're at least 17 points behind five teams in the East. I don't necessarily see that as uh, something you can recover from. No. Um, 17 is a lot. Um, That's a lot of points. Even, yeah. even if you've got 15 home games to try and catch up, um, you know, the, the margins are already very thin and to drop points um, in this one would be, you know, it's one thing to get a draw in this one, um, because you're taking two points from New England, that's something. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough task because the Revs have been good at home. Uh, but at the same time, DC's kind of thrown away some of their easy get out of jail free cards, and they've got to find a way to um, come up with something that we didn't expect. Um, and you know, if that means uh, grinding it out like that Columbus win, then great. So be it. Um, if that means getting out to a three, nothing lead and then actually making it stand up, uh, which shouldn't be all that difficult. Um, I, I encourage, them, right? yeah, I encourage them to get as many three, nothing leads as they can get their hands on. Um, just, you know, be a little better. Um, once you get there, it, you don't have to immediately, you know, do the Icarus thing where you get too close to the sun and then you fall back to the earth, uh, and are shattered. Um, don't do that second part. You can get close to the sun and just stay up there until full time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they deal with the pressure that they're under now because they are under pressure because I don't get the sense that anyone within the team has given up on the season at all. Um, 
because if you give up, then there's no pressure. Um, but they they're they're definitely thinking that they're still have a real shot at this thing. But you know there aren't that many opportunities left to make sure it's actually viable. Um, this game and the game in LA on July 4th are both really big games for DC United. Um, and, you know, I think it's doable. Um, I think that they've shown an ability to break, um, break out on the counter and hit teams that want to high press and punish them that way. I think um, that's not good news for the revs that DC has shown a knack for, uh, scoring goals on the break. It's just that um, that high press is also going to, you know, underline some of DC's tendencies to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and that might be the story of this game. And that's, you know, that doesn't sound good when I say it is that um, the story of the game might be whether DC can be better on the counter than they are um, in terms of shooting themselves in the foot, because we know that most of the season they've shooting themselves in the foot has won that battle. Um, but you know, that's the scenario right now is, uh, they've got to find a way to break this because uh, New England is kind of a one trick team. Um, they are looking to high press. They want to play in transition, which suits DC's counterattacking, uh, goals. Um, but at the same time, they are going to high press. They're going to throw numbers, uh, forward. They're going to attack. They're not afraid to give up goals, um, which I'm also I'm I'm kind of surprised that Friedel coaches a team that is willing to take that many risks. They've given up 23 goals in 16 games, um, so they're definitely not ironclad at the back by any means. Um, but you know, is, are we going to see the revs that were pretty hot early in the season? I mean, um, they started out as one of the best teams in the East, uh, and they're coming back to earth a little bit. I don't know what we're going to get out of them. I don't know what we're going to get out of DC, but I get the feeling that if DC can just avoid mistakes, they're probably going to have a real shot at this thing. Um, I'm not confident in that they can though. Right. That's been the downfall of this team all year is that um, they'll do, I mean, we're coming off of a game where they did most things fairly well. They did enough to win the game, but one mistake cost them. Um, And it's not, it as it's been all season it's not small mistakes it's big mistakes um it's it's getting stuff right that players should get right every time um so i don't know do do you guys have anything uh that's that sticks in your mind about the revs right now that that uh is worth uh mulling over i mean not about the revs in particular it's just this team it's it's a dead horse at this point, but this team has to find its way on defense, and it's not just the back four. It's also the central midfield, and as we've talked about again and again, their attack is okay. It's not it's not terrible. It's not worthy of blowing up, but their central midfield and their defense, especially, is just not good enough. And until somebody changes drastically or new reinforcements come in, I I can't expect anything to be better. Yeah. I I think in the end it's like this, you know, we have, we've only had one clean sheet all year. That was the game in Annapolis against Columbus. And that was the only one we've had. Um, And a lot of these games, while our offense has been clicking, our defense is very much not. And that has taken us out of games or, or, you know, 
caused a uh, three points to become one in the standings or three points to become zero. Uh, and I think in the end, everyone has to be a part of that defensive effort. Everybody, even even Maddox up front or, or Rooney or whoever is going to be up front going forward. It has to be a team effort because clearly the back line is not capable of doing it on their own. Um, while our, I feel like the goalkeepers in Ousted and Clark have been capable, um, there have definitely been times where we have been lacking in that area too. Um, and so it can't be where, you know, last year where we could just say, Bill's going to take care of it. It's going to be fine. He's going to get eight saves or whatever. It's going to be okay. We don't have that anymore. And I feel like this team needs to figure out what it needs to do to gel as a unit on defense. On offense, it seems like we're doing okay in, in a lot of these games. But defense has always been our, our weak link. And they need to figure out how to solve that very quickly. Because if they don't, a lot more of these games are going to be results that we should have had, not actually have. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I, I will say that um, one thing I can bring uh, in terms of um, – Central midfield, uh, apparently, um, according to Ben Olsen, after the game, the reason Paul Ariola wasn't in the 18 at all was simply um, um, they said his groin was, I believe the term was his groin was suspect, um, which is kind of a funny way to put it. But um, I get the feeling that if, if it were a playoff game, they would have rolled him out. They would have gone for it. Um, but the fact that uh, he had some sort of small knock. They didn't want to risk it and have it become a full blown uh, strain. So I feel like after, you know, 10 days of, of treatment and healing, uh, I would expect him to be back out there. Um, And it certainly adds, you know, having him in the lineup certainly adds something that just, um, you know, Ian Harks did a decent job. I I don't think he had a bad game. It's just that um, Oriola really has added something to that midfield that, no one else on the team seems to bring to the table. Um, so you should expect him back. Um, outside of that, though, it, it, you know, it's pretty much the lineup uh, that we saw is going to be the lineup that we see. Um, yeah. Maybe DeLeon comes back. Um, there was no word on that yet as to whether he was going to be ready to go. But I know the timetable that was initially put out there, it, he should be back if the timetable is being met. But, you know, who knows about that. Um, I'm yeah. a, I'm a, I, I know people say that center back isn't the thing and I agree with that to some extent, but at this point I'm also a Briant anti-truther. I'm a, anyone but Briant Jalen Robinson truther. He has not been brilliant for us this year. I mean, you, I, I, you I, can I, give it, you can give us all your logical reasons, Jason. I'm giving you my gut and I want Jalen Robinson. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the case for that isn't that solid. Um, I, don't I do feel like they need to improve. Um, it, you know, when you're in the, the situation they're in, they need to improve, uh, defensively. And that, if that means add a new center back and that's what's out there, then yeah, go ahead and improve at center back. Um, right. any, any team should be looking to improve at center back anytime they can. Um, I don't think it should be top of the list or even, you know, top three on the list. Um, but if they find someone who's better, I mean, we have to face facts that Briant, even if, even if, um, you know, it's the, uh, the truth of the matter ends up being that he's the best option by far, even if that's the case, 
you still got to look at the fact that his age is what it is. Um, and the team overall could use something different in the back. Um, and it's not just a fullback problem. Um, you know, if that's the one of the solutions they have, if they're going to make a TAM signing at center back, then I'm all for it because I, I'm always looking for a, any team that I, I follow. I want them to be really strong at center back. I think that yeah. pretty much you're not going anywhere if your center back play is lower than modest. Like if you're worse than okay, then um, you're probably bad uh, overall. Um, so yeah, if, if they find someone that can step in for him and, um, be the new starter and, and then you have Briant, Opare and Robinson fighting for two spots, then so be it. Um, you don't, no one on the team right now has the luxury of complaining about being hard done by when it comes to their spot on the lineup, because right now, I mean, who can you really say, you know, Maddox, Assad, Ariola, um, after that, everyone else, there, there's an argument for somebody else um, yeah. or an argument for a move, you know, to be made. So, um, you know, if, if that's the way they want to go, if, if they think that it's more of a center back problem than a fullback problem, then, you know, go sign someone who's better than the existing center backs. Um, and I won't have too many complaints. Uh, it wouldn't be my shopping list, um, but I can see the point. Like, I, I definitely see that something's got to be changed with that group um, and soon. Um, and, you know, soon is coming. The transfer window is opening uh, in just a few days. Um, so, to quote Les Mis, something's got to happen now or something's got to give. It'll also, come. It'll come. I, It'll I, come. It'll come. I guess so. Uh, I don't actually know if that's a quote from, from it is, that. It uh, is an exact quote from Les Mis. And he did it beautifully, if I may add. Okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, any, any, uh, any other ground to cover? Yeah, one final thing on the on the lineup. Sure. You know, you're talking about some of these guys that uh, have not been performing well um, or, you know, hopes that with the transfer market we're going to get people to replace them. We got to keep in mind that with all these games coming up, especially, you know, the multiple games, we got to kind of consider our roster as two different lineups. And uh, there may be some people who kind of fit in with either one or – uh, a few guys that will kind of like the midfield, maybe have a rotation of like two games on one games off or something like that. But, you know, if we get a capable replacement for some of these guys, it's not like those guys are going to be relegated to the bench and never to play again. We're just going to have too many games where uh, guys are going to have to learn uh, or, or going to have to play, you know, at certain points of this stretch that we're going to come up on. But I think the key is finding the guys that, work the best together what units work together and, and it's clear that in the back line that we haven't found that solution yet um it could be partly due to injury um we we kind of have some depth issues on the on the wing back that you know wing backs because uh de Leon's hurt Mora's hurt Kemp's hurt and, and out for the season you know so and, and I think Odie Atsum I think is is he hurt he might be hurt yes, because he's hurt. everyone else is so uh we're left with O'Neill Fisher and uh yeah that's it's not working all the time so um i feel like once we get everybody back healthy you know it's going to be a sense that we're going to have a couple of lineups and individual pieces may be plugged in here and there but everyone's going to have to be ready to play um and you ready to play donald i'm ready, ready to play, play uh, every game. i'm dressed like i'm ready to play like 
I stretch, I do all the things that anyone does. The only thing they just don't let me on the field. Um, if they put me on the team sheet, I'll be ready to go. But ah, cool. I think it's going to have to happen at, at some point. I can spell Rooney for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> can you spell O'Neill Fitcher for ten minutes though? Oh yeah, anyone can. <laughs> like like Jurgen said, anybody can play left back at, or in this case I, right I, back. I, look, I played goalkeeper for for the American Outlaws in Ireland and Spain, and I was center back. So if I can do that, I can definitely play left back. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. It's fine. So, so Donald, Donald Wine for fullback. We, we, we've, we've done it. And I, I'll sign for – what's the league minimum now? Oh, oh, like uh, yeah. Or, or, yeah, I, I think the rookie. I think the rookie minimum is 50 or 54 or something, but yeah. No, no, I'm not a rookie. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a TAM. I'm a TAM signee, so just pay me down. <laughs> okay. We, we can pay you down to 120. Yeah, that's cool. That's hey, 120 is perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you get paid down, you still get that extra money, as far as I understand it. Yeah, you yeah, get the extra money. You still cap. get what you're paid down. Thing. Yeah, it's just a cap thing. Yeah, it's an accounting thing. So just yeah, yeah just drop the papers. Okay, we'll pay you like six hundred thousand, and it'll be good. Yeah, and I and I, I then can sponsor the filibuster podcast with my my you know overage. Yeah, sounds great. Bingo, bango. Everyone I like wins. the idea of a sponsorship that's just a person. It's not a business. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Donald being like, hey, I think this is a good podcast. That's it. <laughs> I would just record stuff every week. Just a little, just a little nuggets for you. I'm it Donald Wine, and this podcast is great. Yeah, it might be a story. It might be like uh, just, a, just a, hey, guys, I know you had a bad week, but keep at it. It, it might just be just, you know, me breathing uh, after a workout. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Everyone will have to tune in every single week because they won't know what the ad will be. I, I we, mean, we, we would take it. Yeah, uh, if if you want to be our sponsor um, and you're just a person, you don't have a business to push, um, we'll put your random uh, whatever it is in the middle of the show. Well, uh, well, we have some standards. Let's not yeah, let's not not everybody. open it up to that much. Um, also, but, you guys can screen it, like. You know, I'll send you like fifty of them, and you can use like two. Okay. The other forty-eight can be deemed not safe for podcast. Ah. So, so there it is. We've solved uh, our own sponsorship needs, and we've solved United's fullback problems on this show. All of them are Donald. Yeah. It, why didn't we think of this earlier? Uh, I don't know. Because we're bad. I guess so. I, yeah. I, I think we got the right amount of alcohol. That that's what it is. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Maybe that was maybe that's the what's what's caused the problems with the team is that they just haven't had a few drinks and sorted it out that way. Oh, what if everybody on DC United has a shot of bourbon before they start playing soccer <laughs> or after? Look, solving soccer's problems is something I I I have solved so many of soccer's problems. By just grabbing a bottle and a couple friends and just talking until that bottle's done. Okay. I feel like Ben Olson would would drink some bourbon and and try to hash out. Oh his yeah, he, yeah. I know he. I know he'd help. Yeah. Well, now that we've solved all the problems, I guess we don't have to do a show anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've done we it. Just call this one. Yeah. Um, Donald, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for stepping into Adam's shoes. No, not a problem. Uh, I hope Adam brings back some sand for you guys from the beach. 
Well, it's sand, sand and a new head of scouting for filibuster. Uh, we need a scout. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so that's that's what he's been sent down there for, and not at all for his own family vacation purposes. Well, and he should bring back a goat. Well, what oh. if I mean, what if the goat is the scout? Yeah, that's, that's the best of both worlds. Wait, right. wait, wait. Is a Florida goat? You don't want a Florida goat. You don't want Ooh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, thing. I mean, really, really, anything that uh, Adam's going to come back with uh, from Florida might be a little crazy. We might not know how to handle it. A Florida goat would probably chuck a Molotov cocktail and yell Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is that did he go to Jacksonville? Um, I don't, I don't know, but that's Florida. That would, a, that would be a surprising uh, family vacation getaway spot, in my opinion. I'm not sure Adam would choose Jacksonville of the Florida vacation spots, um, but I don't know. I'm not going to tell him what to do. If the good place has taught me anything, just that's all of Florida. <laughs> I don't know if Jacksonville represents the entire state of Florida. I feel like that might not be true. Okay. Jacksonville <laughs> represents enough of Florida. You you live your truth, I'll live mine. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, we're gonna we'll wrap this one up. Um, I guess thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at, at filibuster. What is our DCU? Now. Yeah, at filibuster DCU. I should know this by now. Um, if you're listening to us, uh, please give us a rating. If if the podcasting service uh that brings it to your ears allows you to rate us then please give us a rating or a review or whatever it is that they let you do or just um, like 20 goat emojis yeah that's fine like that counts um and, and pretty much anything you type in that space is fine um yeah. maybe you know save your anti-goat opinions if you have them we don't we're not interested um but uh tweet those know. at uh the underscore amt on twitter yeah, make sure any goat opinions you do have, you've sent to Adam and only Adam, uh, and send them at length. Don't give him the summary. Give him the full. Uh, use the, full the hu- use the full two hundred and seventy characters over multiple tweets. Yeah, uh, or, or you know, yeah, send him a tweet thread, uh, maybe a, thread. a fifteen yeah. point tweet thread that yeah. you should have just turned into an article. Instead, <laughs> send it to Adam as tweets. Um, he'll definitely love it, and we'll definitely be happy that you did. Um, and one of those two statements is true. Um, yep. until then until you've uh, inundated Adam with goat tweets uh, thanks for listening and uh, I guess I've got nothing else to say uh, Ben finish the show go bye Adam <laughs> <laughs>